the CD player in my car stopped working a little while back. And uh, I just kind of was like, you know what? I'm just going to drive in silence. When do you ever drive in silence? So I just decided, drove in silence for a few months. But then just recently, I was like, you know what? The radio works. Hey, you know what? That could be that could be good. That could be okay. I'll listen to music on the radio. And uh, what I didn't realize about the radio, and it's been a really long time since I listened to it, and I've never really been a radio guy. A radio guy. But I did, what I didn't realize is they play the same songs every single day. Like the same exact songs get played all throughout the day, every day. And you know, classic rock stations now are like Nirvana and Metallica mixed in with Boston, Black Sabbath. I don't even know what this radio station is. They play it for a while. They were playing it all day at work. Somebody has found a random radio station. And so it was just playing at work 10 hours a day. And every single day you hear Smells Like Teen Spirit, Enter Sandman, uh, The Unforgiven, I think it is, by Metallica. What I felt, what I've known. Whatever the fuck that goes, you don't need to hear me do it. Um, They play that one every day, Unforgiven. But, uh, a couple other Nirvana songs, maybe no one other. It's like two. They don't play more than two of every band. Like they play "More Than a Feeling" by Boston. They play "Peace of Mind" by Boston. And when I say Black Sabbath, they just play "Paranoid." I think I heard "War Pigs," maybe. But as far as what they play every single day, it's "Paranoid." Some others, like it's it's basically from seventies to nineties. And uh, I just didn't realize, though, like, I, oh, yeah, that, that radio station just plays the exact same playlist every single day in different order. I'm not even exaggerating. Maybe this is something everybody knew, but I didn't realize that it's actually the same songs every day. Because when I was a kid and I, would, I listened to the radio, what I remember is if, the, if there was a new song and it was big, you would tune in and they would play that every hour. They would, if they were playing like newer music, they would play, you know, they would play uh, the same songs every day, but it was generally newer stuff and it would change and things would come and go. But these classic rock stations, I didn't know. Yeah, it's just, oh, it's the same ones every single day. I think back to that, though, you know, because a lot of people like repetition. I guess there's a lot of people who would tune into the radio and be like, I sure hope I hear The Unforgiven again today. I sure hope I hear Enter Sandman and Smells Like Teen Spirit again today. There's a comfort to it. Like, we all like to listen to the... We all, like, if there's something new, you know, if you find a new song that you really like, you play it over and over again. But what made the radio cool, and everybody knows this, but what made the radio cool is that... You didn't know when you were going to hear it or if you were going to hear it. And it was like a drug when you did because you had no control over it. I think back to being like maybe 12 years old. I think I must have been in sixth grade. And there was a band, Chopper One. I don't know how well known this band was, but they had a song called 
a punk named Josh. When I was young, there was a kid named Josh. He was a real punk rocker. He had two tattoos, and he wore a leather jacket, and he looked just like Mad Max. Those are the lyrics. He tried to be cool, but it really didn't work. Uh, it was just like this pop-punk-style song about a punk. And Josh is a good name for just a suburban punk. But it was called A Punk Named Josh. And my friends Nick and Ryan and I just loved it. Like, they played it on the local alternative station, I think right before it came out. It wasn't even out yet. So sometimes that was the case. Like, the, the actual hit wasn't even, this, the album wasn't even out yet. So you had no way to listen to it. There was no access to it whatsoever. So the only way you heard it was just on the radio occasionally. But Punk Named Josh, we were all just really into it. Like, I don't even think any of us were really into punk yet. Like, I remember... I, I think I liked Operation Ivy, Blink-182, things like that. But here was this new band with this catchy song. Here's a new band with a catchy song. A little band called Chopper One with a punk named Josh. And, and they just came out of nowhere. It wasn't a band you had heard of or anything. And then the album came out, and everything else on the album was awful. And that song was actually a bonus track. It was the the only it was the only song that brought them any attention, but it was a bonus track, and it wasn't even on all of them because my friend and I both had versions of the CD that had the bonus track, but then our other friend had it, and it didn't it didn't even have the song that he bought it for. And the album artwork was awful. It was red, white, and blue. I think it had a picture of the band, but I want to say their logo was a star. It was like red, white, and blue star. And the band, it turned out, was a founding member of Weezer. A founding member of Weezer. Oh, let me guess, you're a founding member of Weezer. <laughs> it seems like a good insult. Oh, let me guess, you're a founding member of Weezer or something. Who are you? Are you like a founding member of Weezer or something? There was a kid in my class in college... I don't remember. His name was Andy. I do remember his name. His name was Andy. I never even interacted with him. But I mean, being in lecture in college, the lectures weren't very big. They weren't like university lectures where it was like hundreds of people in a single lecture hall. It was probably like 90 people. And so you really, you know, looked at everybody. You kind of, you just be sitting there for eight hours a day or however long some some of those classes were. Maybe not that long, but you'd kind of be with the same people a lot for long hours. And this kid, there was a kid named Andy and he had dyed black hair. No, I don't even think it was dyed black. It was just dark and it was kind of parted on the side and like hung over his forehead. And then he had thick black frame glasses. This is probably like 2005 or 2006, I would guess. And then he would wear these like striped sweaters and not he didn't he, he was definitely a very awkward weird looking kid like he wasn't fat but he didn't look like he had a neck like it just kind of went into his neck and he wore i don't know he was going for the dork look like he wasn't even going for the emo indie sort of look as much as he was just going going for the weezer look going for the weezer look huh oh so you're going for the weezer look so that voice has turned into like some kind of hypercritical gay redneck 
but then sure enough, like one day he wore a shirt. It was like a, like a fake baseball shirt. Like when people, like people like him back then, they would wear like a t-shirt that's made to look like a youth baseball t-shirt. And it might even have been a Weezer shirt. Might even have been a Weezer shirt. And, uh, but then for the name on the back, it was either a Weezer shirt or like a shirt he had customized to reference Weezer. It's either a Weezer shirt or a shirt you had customized to reference Weezer. Enough of that, but, uh, cause like the name where the, like the kid's name on the back would be where it should have said Andy. It said Jonas, which is a Weezer thing. It's really hard for me not to do that voice right now. It's a Weezer thing. Oh, is this this some kind of Weezer thing? Is this some kind of Weezer thing? (laughs) But, like, they had a song about, like, Jonas. And uh, so this was obviously a Weezer reference. And so I was like, oh, yeah, the kid who looked like he was a Weezer fan is a Weezer fan. Big surprise. But anyway, Chopper won... It was a founding member of Weezer who allegedly, I mean, you hear things back then. I mean, this is pre-internet, definitely, for me. The internet was around, but I don't think we had the internet yet whenever that Chopper 1 CD came out. And what I remember hearing somehow is that he was a founding member of Weezer who quit Weezer because he didn't think they were going to make it. And so he started his own band with his wife. Because that, that was what was weird, is they were a, a power trio. But it was this guy, his name was Jason Cropper. And his wife was named Amy Cropper. And then they had a drummer. So it was just like this husband and wife and then the third wheel. And the album sucked. I, rem- I, I was so excited to get it because I loved that song so much for one summer. And then I got the album when it finally came out. And it was it looked stupid. It the rest of the album sucked. There was a song called Frank and Stein. Like Frank Space N period space Stein. Like a guy's name. Hey, I'm Frank N. Stein. I'm Frank Stein. I think she sang on some of it. I remember she was hot. Amy Cropper was hot. But anyway, that was just such a disappointment. Point being, though, like, the only way to hear that song was just on the radio for a while. And I just remember, like, tuning in. I think I even taped it on a cassette. But that's what people do. Like, like they like to listen to the same song over and over again. No matter how far along, like, my taste is gone, whatever the fuck. I still do that. Like, I heard a song a few months ago. It was, like, some kind of anime techno song. It was like a, an anime techno remix of, a, of pop songs. And one of them was so incredibly good that I just played it on repeat. I would wake up and just start playing it on repeat. So I still do that. And as a kid, like I, obviously everybody does that, but kids especially do it. I, I can't even think of how many CDs I got up to a certain age where I'd just get it. Like... When I was still just getting what was on the radio or MTV or whatever up until, you know, I was a teenager, I would just buy a CD and I didn't have a lot of them, but I would just buy a CD and be like, oh, I only like the hit. I only like the hit. 
And I think that's what most people do. And it was eye-opening to me when uh, when I actually heard a couple Backstreet Boys albums. Because I didn't even give the Backstreet Boys a chance when they were big. There's no way I was going to listen to the Backstreet Boys. But then way later, I had a girlfriend who like borrowed her co-worker's Backstreet Boys CD because they would listen to it at work. And then she played it in the car, and I loved it. I was like, this is good. I don't know. It was either Backstreet's Back or Millennium. I think it might have been Millennium. It was one of those, though. And I remember listening to it, and this is probably like 2008, and being like, oh, yeah, they, like the four hits are just the first four songs. Like You just play that album, and, and all four of the big hits from the album are just in a row. It's on one of those albums. And I was like, that makes sense. Like when you think about who this is marketed to and who their audience is, it's too much to expect them to sit through even one other song. Like they might as well just front load the album with the hits so that people can just put it on and hear all the hits in a row. I mean, it might as well be a greatest hits album or something. Uh, but uh, that was eye opening to me because like at least other poppy music doesn't do that. But it's like, oh yeah, a boy band. Like of course they do that. And uh, I don't know, I think about listening to stuff too. Like, I think there was a, a period of time where they were playing the Blink-182 song, Damn It, on the radio. And I remember tuning in just to be like, I want to hear it. And then you'd hear it, and it was like a high because you had no control over it. Because that's the problem is once you get control over the song, you can listen to the same part over and over again if you want. You can definitely listen to the same song over and over again. And nobody really warns you. Like, nobody warned me as a kid that, oh, if you get an album and you overplay a song, it's not even that you'll hate it. You probably won't hate it if you truly liked it. You'll just not want to ever listen to it. But it is like a drug. It's like a drug, an incredible drug that you're trying for the first time. And that's kind of what the radio is like. Like, I think back to when I first started, like, I smoked weed for the first time when I was 13. I, I don't even know if I got high. We were on the steps of a senior center, just blatant. Like there was a little barrier, so you couldn't see us sitting down on the the, the the senior center downtown in Kirkland. It had this porch area. And this is after school in the daylight on a nice day. There's people all around. But there was a little barrier that kind of hid you if you crouched down. So we all just sat down on the ground in front of the senior center and you tried to smoke weed out of like a piece of paper, like not even a rolling paper, just a piece of paper. And I don't even think that works for one. So I don't even know if I got high, but at the very least I got a, um, a, what do you call it? A, Oh, what's that even called? I was going to say an antidote. No, a, uh, what's that called when like they give you medicine that doesn't work and then, you still experience it. I know. Obviously, I know what that is. I'm just blanking. And so I got that effect at the very least. I think I probably got a little bit high. I think I got something, but I think the experience enough made me feel high. But then I almost got in trouble the second time I smoked weed when I was 13, and so I didn't do it for probably two years. And then once I decided, like, oh, no, I really like smoking weed and I'm going to do it. 
like once I, I started being able to drive myself, especially like once my friends and I had, you know, our licenses, I was just like, oh no, I really like smoking weed and I'm going to do it all the time. But up to that point, it was something that like y- you knew you wanted to do and it was always an experience and fun. But up until that point, like you don't have access to it. So it would just be some random kid would be like, oh, you want to get high? And you would, and it, it was kind of like that, like hearing a song on the radio, because you don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know when getting high is going to happen. It might be a month. It might be two months. It might, go, it might be three months before somebody offers me weed again. But it would happen, and you'd be like, oh, this. And that was what listening to songs on the radio was, when like the song you were looking for came on. But then once you have access to it, same with weed. I mean, like this is what I'm talking about is the same thing, like the same principle, which is like getting high was always this unique thing that you remembered. Like kids could remember every time they got high. But then you reach a point where like when I started buying weed and I had enough and then when I started buying even more weed, by the time I was an adult and I had a well-paying job, oh, all of a sudden I can buy as much weed as I want. Then it became legal and like you don't even need to like hang on to a dealer. You don't even need to like pretend to like a drug dealer so that you can get weed. You just you can go to the store anytime and if you have the money you can just get weed all the time. And so if you do it too much though it becomes like a, a song you overplay where you're just like fuck. I'm sick of this. But uh with um, playing the same song over and over again, like you realize that's what a lot of people do. And there's nothing wrong with it. I think we all have a tendency to do that. Because it's like a spell. It's like I want I want that spell to be cast over and over and over again. And it's hard to even say when the point is when you stop wanting to hear it. It happens, and it happens relatively quickly. And when you stop wanting to hear it, you stop playing it usually. You just stop. It's like, oh yeah, too much. I've had too much of that. I remember being at this 4th of July party when I was a kid. It was my redneck friend's family. And they would always have an amazing 4th of July party, of course. And all the parents were out on the back, this patio area. They were just drinking beer. I think they were barbecuing. Kids were just running all around. Everybody was going inside and outside. There were a number of people there. But the family, my friend's family, they had Bye Bye Miss American Pie on uh, on repeat. The song, like they, that song alone. It was just playing over and over and over again, no interruption. And I wasn't even aware of it at first. Like It was kind of like this hypnotic sound in the background, that chorus and everything. And then at one point, I remember I was like, I was going inside to get something, maybe to like get a, a Pepsi. And then I, because they had a speaker, they, they had like moved the speaker to the window so you could hear the music outside, which makes it even crazier. It's not like they just put on Don McLean, Bye Bye American Pie on the stereo and just went outside and forgot or didn't realize it was on repeat. It's like they put a speaker or a boombox in the window, open window facing the patio and then put that song on repeat 
And that's insane. Like, I remember going inside as a kid and suddenly realizing they've just been playing that song over and over again. Just the same song all party long. Because, you know, when, when I was a kid and I would repeat the same song over and over, I would hit, re- I would hit repeat. Like, I, would hit, I wouldn't put it on repeat. I would just hit the, bu- the back button. If I, it was on my disc man, my discman... I would just hit the back button and play it again. I had to at least put some effort in. I always looked at that repeat button, the repeat mode, the repeat mode, repeat mode. And uh, I would look at that button and I was like, that's insane. Why would I ever do that? Just playing a song, turning, it's like autopilot where it's just like, oh, it's just going to play it over and over again can't imagine doing that but that's what this family did they put they used that button they used pete mode they used pete mode somebody made the decision to do that i worked with a woman many years ago we shared an office and one day she's like i think i'm gonna start playing some music and i was like that's fine i don't like to control the jukebox when i'm around strangers i don't really like to control it even when i'm around people i like or know it just feels like too much power. Like I, even with like girlfriends and people I've had, like I don't like to subject them to everything. Like I usually just find something somewhat neutral. Like people probably think I just have the most boring taste because anytime I'm around people and I have to control the jukebox and be the DJ, like I have friends who love to be the DJ. They love to control the music in whatever room they're in. It's just not me. I just don't like to... It just feels like too much pressure. It feels like, I don't know, I just, I just I, too much pressure, too much power. And like with, like with girlfriends, like if we see each other for long enough, I'll just kind of play whatever I want. But during that initial dating courtship phase, I really don't want to play something. I, I don't play something just so they'll like it. I don't think like, oh, this is good girl music. This is good girl music. So I'm going to play Weezer. I'll just go, I'm going to be driving a girl home from a date tonight. I'm going to play a little bit of Weezer. You know, I'm not going to play Weezer just to impress a girl. But I'm going to try to choose something neutral. I don't want her to think have to think about it. And I remember like date, like this girl that I ended up dating for three years, but picking her up on one of our first dates, and we got in my car, and I turned it on, and I had Graveland following the voice of blood playing really loud and it was just at a part where the vocals are just you know it's just like a vocal part and i remember like we got in that just started playing and i just immediately turned it off not because i was embarrassed it was just like I, you know i just met this girl we don't need to be driving around listening to fo- not, not even the driving around just she doesn't need to get in my car and that's like you know she's subjected to that right away and because uh, this girl, like, she was weird in her own way, but her taste and everything was just normal stuff. And so this girl doesn't need to have to hear that. It doesn't need to be part of this experience. But anyway, this coworker, like, was like, I'm going to play a little bit of music. And I'm like, that's fine. That's better than me having to do it. Because at that same place, there was a point where the boss of the whole place was like, we're going to do a little thing where we play uh, where a different coworker chooses the playlist every day. And I was like, I don't want to do that. 
I think I chose the Bee Gees and some doo-wop or something to, like that. And uh, anyway, uh, I remember like I found it was a good test, though, because I remember finding out that this coworker, I could tell that she liked me because of the Bee Gees song. I think I played I Started a Joke. And I remember like she was acting really interested in it. But anyway, I hated that. I hated that whole idea. Like, I didn't care that other people were picking music each day. I just didn't like that. It's just like a different person chooses the playlist each day. I don't want to participate. I don't want to have to come up with something. Because I'm not just going to play what I like. I overthink those things. But when the person I shared the office with, like, she, like I'm just going to play some music each day. And I was like, okay. But she actually would play the same songs every day. She had a playlist that was the same, I don't know, eight songs. Wasn't very many. And it was Jack Johnson, who I don't know what he sounds like. I know that it was him because I, I, I just somehow knew that. Maybe she said something. But it was him. It was uh, that Somewhere Over the Rainbow song by the big Hawaiian guy on ukulele that everybody, you know, everybody's heard that. It was mainly like kind of not even, not even sublime or anything like that, but like the, it was this, it was the sort of music those people would listen to, like sort of suburban hippie. I don't know. I'm not even criticizing her taste or anything. It just I realized that oh, when she said she was going to play music in the office, she meant the same eight songs on repeat all day every day. And it fortunately, it didn't go on very long because I, I don't think I could have handled that. I couldn't have handled just the, like Jack Johnson and Israel. His name's Israel, like some long Hawaiian last name. I, I couldn't have handled just that stuff on repeat. Like beach songs. It's like what, I, what it was, it was like beach music. It was like suburban hippies on the beach. Uh, but that's what the radio is, I've discovered. I'm just like, oh yeah, it is just the same eight songs. And interestingly, something else, this is like what I originally wanted to talk about before I spiraled into other stuff, but what listening to the radio more has made me realize too is like, I wish that I could hear a lot of things completely objectively. Like, I wish I could hear Nirvana objectively. I wish I could hear Smells Like Teen Spirit even. I wish I could just hear that as if I was hearing it for the first time and had no preconceptions about who Nirvana was or the fact that that song is played so often, anything. I wish I could just hear that and be like, hmm, what's this? I was thinking that about Boston, actually, because they play the same two Boston songs every day, and I like Boston. Boston's a cool band. Like when you take away just how overplayed and everything, like I think Boston's a really interesting band. Just the fact that it was like there's one guy who I think he recorded all the instruments and then they had a vocalist. But the guy who recorded all the instruments, he's just like this weird he's into like building radio. I don't even know what he's into. He's, he's into like patenting electronic inventions. And he's he's not a rock and roll guy, really. I mean, like, yeah, he's a guitarist and he has long hair and everything. 
but he, he's just he has no rock star persona whatsoever even though he was in a 70s rock band he's just this weird guy who would record all the instruments write all the music obviously found a talented vocalist and what's really good about them is just one of the first bands that i'm aware of to use those twin guitar harmonies like the same thing that new wave of british heavy metal made big the same thing like iron maiden made big and it was later like adopted by gothenburg you know death metal and things like that and everything i mean you hear those those are a dime a dozen now but i'm trying to think of what was around what kind of hard rock was around in the 70s like the mid 70s where it was like twin guitar harmonies that sound like that and boston has those it's not like the whole focus but they go into them quite a bit thin lizzie did it and I, I don't know, I mean, I'm into that kind of music and I feel like I'm pretty knowledgeable, but I'm trying to think of bands that early from like the early to mid seventies who were doing those sort of like twin guitar harmonies that later got used in metal. And I can only think of Boston and Thin Lizzy. I'm sure there's other stuff and it's all I can think of. But I was thinking about Boston because I was like, if I had never heard more than a feeling, I would probably think I was, this was insane. If I had never heard Peace of Mind, I would be like, this is insane music. But I've heard that stuff so many times. It's such a cliche. It's so everywhere that there's no way you can really hear it objectively. And Peace of Mind, that one that's the one that uh, the lyric is, I understand indecision. I don't care about being left behind. But it always sounds like, I understand indecision, I don't care about the FBI, which would be an even better lyric. I mean, the lyrics to that are actually good as they are. For what they are, I think they're actually pretty good. But uh, if it was, I don't care about the FBI, like just some big rock band writing this hook, I don't care about the FBI, I wish that was what the lyrics said. But yeah, all that stuff, I'm just like, what would it be like if I just, this was obscure, because that's kind of how I feel about some of the doo-wop that I've played on this show. It's been a long time. I think it's been over a year. Definitely over a year. Maybe a year and a half since I did an Every Night's a School Night. But, um, you know, some of the that obscure doo-wop, obscure teen pop, it's just as infectious as anything big. But because you found it in the depths, you know, and it's lower budget and it's raw it's a whole different experience. Like you do feel the full effect of that spell and you hear it objectively because you, you have no idea who little Jimmy from Oklahoma is, but he went into a local recording studio and busted out something beautiful. It's all you have is objectivity and that's what makes it so good because you're just, you're hearing this thing and you have no idea who this guy is. You have no idea what this is. But with this other stuff, you, you know everything. You've heard it a million times. But if you were to hear it from the depths, you'd just be like, holy shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. You know, you'd, you'd, just, you'd be blown away by it. Because when they play Nirvana, like I, I always took Nirvana for granted. My sister was obsessed with Nirvana. She drew this big lifelike portrait of Kurt Cobain's face. She saw Nirvana live. So by 1993, maybe even 92, my sister was all in on Nirvana. Nirvana was, I was living in the Seattle area at the height of grunge. 
And, you know, so it's like I only ever took Nirvana for granted. I never heard Nirvana objectively. And I heard so much of it that I, I just, I'll never be able to hear Nirvana and just think like, hmm, let me pretend I never heard this. Let me pretend I don't know what this is. But w even when they play the big songs, because that's all they play on the radio, like you do listen to it and you're like, yeah, this is really good. You know, these are good. It's, it's riff oriented. You know, I, it's, it's, I think the hardest part for me, like, I think I could listen to Nirvana instrumentals and be really happy. I think I could listen to Nirvana instrumentals and be really happy. You know, I, I could be. The problem is, like, I just, I don't think I can hear Kirk Corbrain's voice. Like, he has a very unique voice. Like, no matter how much people were influenced and ripping off Nirvana, nobody sounds like him. And it works. But I can't hear him. I can't, I think why I can't listen to Nirvana is I just can't hear Kurt's voice. But when you actually hear it for what it is or try, it's like, yeah, you know, this is heavy music, distorted music, incredibly memorable, very unique, riff oriented. But unfortunately, I just can't hear it for what it, it is. Um, so many things. But then there, there's things that transcend that too, though. I mean, yeah, I don't want to hear Black Sabbath paranoid every day. But I can listen to Black Sabbath and I still hear it objectively. Maybe it's when I got into Black Sabbath and the fact that like when I was growing up, I wasn't hearing Black Sabbath all the time. Like, yeah, I heard Black Sabbath songs, but I wasn't just saturated in Black Sabbath as a kid, like when I was getting into music, I had to put a little bit of effort into really checking them out, like checking out all of their music and everything. Uh, so I, I feel like when I listen to Black Sabbath, I just hear it totally objectively. It sounds like exactly what it is. I'm just hearing this weird band that came out of England at a, a, a um, strange time and had something very unique to offer. Same with Iron Maiden, same with all these big bands that everyone's heard a million times. I can listen to those and just be like, yeah, this is insane. I'm not bored by this. I haven't heard too much of this. This is just a really good band. But some things you just can't escape that. Some things, they're just, you'll never be able to sit and listen to them and just have it feel like other music that you're into. Unfortunately, that's the Beatles. Unfortunately, that's Weezer. Unfortunately, that's Weezer. It's true. That it's always been the issue with the Beatles for me. My sister listened to the Beatles sometimes. I heard quite a bit of Beatles growing up. My mom was into, my mom was into the Doors and the Rolling Stones. For some reason, though, like, I, the Doors didn't have that effect. Like, I was able to appreciate The Doors, even though I grew up with my mom playing it in the car. With The Beatles, I just I never could. Like, I understand it's good music. I don't like it when people hate The Beatles. I remember, like, I was at a crossroads when I was probably 15 and thinking, like, oh, the, the oppositionally defiant, rebellious thing I want to do is hate The Beatles and say they suck. I want to hurt the people who like The Beatles... I want to hurt people who like, I want to hurt the people who like the Beatles. You know, that's kind of what you're doing when you do things like that out of spite. 
Because there's a lot of people out there who are like, dude, fuck the fucking Beatles, dude, fuck the, dude, the Beatles fucking suck. You know, there's people who say that, and they're just, it's it's really just trying to, like, be, go against the current. It's, it's, it's really just like, you're trying to go against the current, but more than that, like, when you say that, you're trying to hurt people who like the Beatles. But, uh, and not like severely, it's not like you want to kill these people. It's just like, I, I want to do something that causes psychic harm to people who like the Beatles. But I remember being at that crossroads, right? I probably even said that a couple times. I probably had a friend who was just getting into the Beatles. Because I think part of it is how annoying it was when someone got into the Beatles. Someone would just suddenly, like one of your friends would just suddenly be like, dude, I've been listening to the Beatles. Dude, I've been listening to the Beatles. Dude, I've been listening to the Beatles. I've been listening to the Beatles. And uh, you'd just be like, fuck, I don't want to have to hear it. I don't want to have to like experience this person experiencing the Beatles for the first time and cataloging it for me. We all know about the fucking Beatles, man. So I think that's, I think it's knowing people like that, you know, it's, it's Buddhist cosmology. It's, there's no, you know, independent origin. Everything depends on something else. And when people say, fuck the Beatles, it's not that they just decided to hate the Beatles. It's that they probably know somebody who annoyed them when they got into the Beatles. Someone annoyed them about the Beatles at some point. And and, I, and those people that you knew when they, when they would get into the Beatles for the first time when they're 15, there was this kind of air about it. Like, obviously they're getting into the biggest band of all time and they know that, but it, it was almost like they were, it was a way of kind of being like, oh my, you know, I'm, I'm sophisticated. I'm sophisticated. I'm, I'm a young man getting into the Beatles. So it's their fault. They're the people that made people like me want to say fuck the Beatles. But I remember like backing off of that. At some point I was like, you know what? They're not bad. Like the Beatles are really good. Beatles are really good at what they do. I don't need to listen to the Beatles. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with the Beatles. They're obviously really good. But then some people double down on that. Some people like just hate the Beatles for the rest of their life. It becomes part of their personality. Because it's also, it's a way of making yourself unique. It's not just a way of kind of throwing a, a poison arrow in the direction of people who like the Beatles. It's also a way of saying like, see, I'm unique. I don't like them. I think they suck. Beatles actually suck. You don't have to like them. But you can't say the Beatles suck. But some people, yeah, they stay that way forever. They do it with all kinds of things. You see it with everything. I mean, I know I know what that is because I used to do it. You see it with weed. Like, you'll meet people who hate weed. There's some very valid criticisms of weed, and I have many of them. But you'll meet people sometimes where it's like, I hate weed and I've always hated it. And many times those people had a friend or friends who got really into weed and annoyed them. So many of people's opinions aren't even based on the thing that the opinion is about. They're based on somebody who annoyed them when they did that thing or got into that thing. 
They don't hate the Beatles. They hate those people who made them hate the Beatles. They don't hate weed. They hate those people who, who made them hate weed. It's true for so many things. It's the, the whole sports thing. The whole sports thing. No, but when when this this types of people, I don't know if people are still saying this, but some years back, people would try to like throw this jab at, at sports fans by being like, "Oh, are you talking about sports ball? Are you talking about sports ball?" And it was a way of kind of mocking sports fans, it, it, like this this thing where they go like, "What that saying is." I don't know anything about sports. I don't know the difference between a football and a baseball and a basketball or a racquetball. I just call it sports ball. And they didn't even make it up. Like the per- the first person who said sports ball, I don't think I would have found it funny, but at least they were the first person who said it. But the fact that all of these people use it very condescendingly and they didn't even make it up. It's just something they think is clever that they heard. And it's a way of being condescending to sports fans, which I hate. I mean, it's to me, it's it's a really a deal breaker for me. Like, it's okay. Like, someone doesn't have to like sports. I don't care if someone likes sports or not. But I think it's a deal breaker with me whether I can be friends with, or romantically involved with somebody if they have that sort of attitude towards sports. They don't have to give a shit about it. But when they think it's low, they think it's lower, and they pretend to be more confused by it than they are. Like they play dumb about it. Like you know what football is. You probably know the basic rules of football. You probably know the basic rules of baseball. Cut the shit. The first time I ever heard that though, I was on an OK Cupid date with this tall, beautiful stripper. I'm trying to remember her name. I don't remember it. She had a kid. And she was going to the liberal arts college. She was cool. I liked her. She wasn't for me. I think we went on one date. And then there was like a second time where I was at a bar. And she was there. And nobody else was there except some creepy guy who kept hitting on her. And so she just like. She wasn't, she didn't even go. She wasn't there with him. He just like sat next to her. And then so she ended up coming and sitting with me. We never dated or did anything. Um, but anyway, like I, like on this okay Cupid day, I remember talking to her and I was talking about like being into sports and being into football. And she was like, Oh, sports ball. And I'd never heard that before. So I just kind of fake laughed. I'm on a first date. I wanted to get along with this girl, but I'd never heard that said before. So I was like, Oh, it's kind of, I guess that's kind of clever. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't even think it is clever. But it's like she's at least trying to be funny or something is how I interpret it. And then I just kept hearing that over and over again. I don't know where it originally came from. I assume just the internet. I have no idea. I always assume things are more organic than they are, but then you find out it's from a sitcom or something. But yeah, that was the first time I heard sports ball, and I thought she just made it up. I was like, oh, it's just her cute way of saying she's not into sports. Oh, I don't know anything about sports ball. I don't know anything about sports ball. But then I just started to hear it all the time. And what it reminds me of is this friend I had in junior high and high school, a self-professed nerd, very funny guy. He had a really good sense of humor. He was just into video games. 
But then he went to college, and he's one of those people who got kind of reborn as a far-left ideologue. And he has all these highly nuanced opinions, and uh, they're all just kind of bogus. Became ultra-politically correct overnight. But he was my Facebook friend, or is my Facebook friend. And I remember for years, like like when the Seahawks were doing really well, and everybody was just talking about football all the time, every year for the Super Bowl, he'd post about how he wasn't even watching the Super Bowl. I was... Is something going on today? Is there something going on today? I wouldn't even know. Oh, the Super Bowl? I don't even know. I don't even know what the Super Bowl is. You know, it's like that bullshit. Just a way of being like, I'm not doing the thing everybody else is doing. But you're still revolving around it. You're just Now you're just a moon rotating around football. Instead of just not watching football or not caring about football, you're in the orbit of football. Your identity involve, revolves around football. Revolves around football. Your identity revolves around football. It's true, though. It's like when you when you have to protest something like that, your identity revolves around it. That's why you have to be careful about the things that you protest, because then you are attached to it. But I just remember him doing that, and I just remember being like, fuck, man. You're thinking about football. There's people sitting there watching the Super Bowl, enjoying it. You're actually thinking about the Super Bowl more than they are. Sports ball, Super Bowl. Oh, is this this, is this the Super Sports Ball, Super Bowl? But that's what people do with the Beatles, too. Like when you're like, fuck the Beatles, dude. You're, just, you're revolving around the Beatles. It, it becomes part of your identity. It's a way of saying, one, I have better jewels. When you say you hate the Beatles or the Beatles suck, what you're saying is, I, I, have, I know where the good jewels are. I know where the good jewels are buried. That's what you're trying to say. Same thing when you say, sports ball. I'm not even watching the Super Bowl. When you say that, what you're saying is, I know where the good jewels are buried, and this isn't even a good jewel. That's what you're saying. I know where the good jewels are buried, and this is not one of them. And so you got to be careful about that. Because it becomes part of your ego, it becomes part of your identity. It's like when you hate somebody. When you hate somebody, you revolve around that. It's weird. I've never had a nemesis. I've never had somebody who's like my enemy. But I've known some people who have an enemy, and it's weird. Because they talk about them constantly. They think about them even more. They just they just sit there thinking about their enemy all the time. I've really only noticed it with women. I know men do this too. But the people I've known who do this are all women, and it's another woman. They have this female nemesis, and all they do is talk about them. All they do is think about them. They revolve around their enemy. Oh, did you hear what she did? 
Did you hear that? I was into Weezer first, and then she got into Weezer. I told her about Weezer. I told her about Weezer. She's going around talking about Weezer now, and she's not telling people that I told her about Weezer. She only knows about Weezer because through me. People do that all the time. That's a such a weak lashing out of the ego right there. Oh, he only knows about that because of me. He got into Weezer because of me. He's not giving me credit. It's one thing to want credit for something like productive and creative that you made. Oh yeah, I I played bass on that. I want credit. It's a whole other different level of of the ego sadly lashing out the, the ego sadly like reaching out to grasp something when it's like you want credit because someone likes something that they found out about from you if that's even true people do that a lot though adults do that that's something you see kids do frequently it's something adults do frequently too I told her about that restaurant. Oh, she keeps going to that restaurant and telling everybody about that restaurant. I told her about that restaurant. I told her about that restaurant. Anyways, uh, music. Yeah, just revolving around something you hate. I mean, I think back, there was a lot of that when I was growing up. There was a sticker they sold at Zoomies. They sold a sticker at Zoomies, and it just said, Hanson sucks. And me and all my friends bought one. There was nothing wrong with Hanson. There was nothing wrong with them. All I know is that famous song, but there was no reason to hate Hanson. But they sold this sticker that said, Hanson sucks, So, and we put that. I put that on my skateboard. Bunch of little boys running around with Hanson sucks stickers. There was a there was a band I never listened to this kind of hardcore but there was a band called Blood for Blood and I remember seeing one of their t-shirts at a show and the back in big white death metal style letters they were not a death metal band but like how death metal bands frequently they would have a shirt with their logo or their album cover on the front and then the back would have big white letters and bold they would just say like death fucking metal or something. Well, the, the hardcore band Blood for Blood had a shirt that was like that. And in big, bold letters on the back, it said, fuck Fred Durst. And I was probably 15 or 16. And I was at a show with some friends from school. And this girl we were with goes, Eric, that seems like a shirt you would wear. And she didn't even mean it in a bad way. Which makes it worse. I, I mean, I'm still mortified by that, by her saying that. It makes it worse that she was sincere. It, it would have been fine if she was like, hey, Eric, like that fuck Fred Durst shirt looks like something you would wear because you're, you're an obnoxious jerk. That's the kind of stupid thing you would wear. I would be less insulted by that 
But she was just like, I, yeah, that seems like something you would wear. Like you think you think that's me. You think that like I'm the kind of guy who would have. Well, guess what? Maybe she's right. Because four years earlier, I had a Hanson sucks sticker on my skateboard. Maybe she's right. Maybe I am that kind of guy. I think I'd matured out of that by then, though. I think I'd matured out of fuck Fred Durst. Like, I don't care about Fred Durst. I don't, I, I don't care. But that sort of statement, I mean, it's, it's no different than the Beatles suck. Dude, you're into loop. It's, it's like the Nickelback hate. Nickelback sucks. Like, I have no interest in Nickelback. Nickelback. I got no interest in Nickelback. I don't. But I, I, I literally have zero interest. Like, I don't want to listen to that. I don't want to hear that. But they, they never seemed worse than anything else. But it became almost like a meme, as they call it. It became a meme to, to refer to Nickelback. <laughs> Nickelback. <laughs> Nickelback Daryl. Nickelback Daryl. Nickelback. The guitarist of Pantera was Nickelback Daryl. Nickelback Daryl. But uh, just doing that one a lot today. But uh, yeah, I, I just never understood the meme that Nickelback was worse than anything else. Yeah, they're bad music that I don't want to hear. But how are they different from any kind of post-grunge just awful mainstream alternative. How are they worse than anything else? Like I, I remember working in an office with when I was in my 20s with some other 20-somethings, and some of them would be like, well, who's the worst band ever? Nickelback. I bet he goes home and listens to Nickelback. Nickelback. I bet he goes home and listens to Nickelback. <laughs> and... uh <laughs> it, it just I just never understood why they got singled out. But it's kind of one of these things I'm talking about where it's like you just choose that and like you decide that that's the thing you hate or you heard somebody else say that. And part of it too, I mean with with Nickelback and Fred Durst it's not blasphemous to say they suck or you hate them. But with the Beatles, it is kind of an act of blasphemy. One of the reasons why people, like a teenager, for example, will say the Beatles suck is because they want to intentionally blasphemy. Blaspheme? How do you say that? They're being intentionally blasphemous. what we call intentional blasphemy because the whole idea is that they know a certain number of people are religious about the Beatles and so it's not just saying a band sucks you know you're, you're rebelling against an entire way of seeing the world just to rebel really it's no different than like someone who grows up in a Christian environment they're not interested in Satan they're not interested in, in upside down crosses. They don't. They really don't give a shit about that. But they know that that's, you know, they know that that's gonna hurt people. 
or set themselves apart from these people who are bothering them. You never meet you never meet teenage Satanists who really have a philosophy behind it or would have gravitated towards Satanism anyway. The only reason they're doing it is because it's the opposite of people who bother them. They're Satanists because Christians annoyed them. Same thing with people who hate the Beatles. They hate the Beatles because people who love the Beatles annoyed them. It's one of the reasons why I avoided a lot of things that I otherwise value now. Like I avoided certain just truths because I was like, I, I hate the people who say those things. I hate the people who repeat those cliches. They annoy me. So you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to find any value in that you know, platitude. But then as I get older, I'm like, oh yeah, that platitude is right. That cliche is true. It's what I've said about Buddhism before. Where I'm like, I, I opposed Buddhism, meditation, pointlessly. I was pointlessly opposed to that stuff. But it had nothing to do with the beliefs. It had nothing to do with that philosophy or way of interpreting the world. It was 100% a response to what I saw in people who believed that stuff and the sort of shit they said and how it was exposed to me. I just I didn't like the type of people who were into that, at least the people that I came into contact with. And I, and I probably didn't even have a reason to feel that way, but I did. And so it's very easy to, to be opposed to something not because you actually believe in it, but just because you're trying to oppose other people who do believe in that. I think sometimes about pop punk. Because I listened to pop punk when I was 12. It's perfect music if you're 12 or 13. Pop punk is music that you know, 19 and 20 year olds should make so that 12 and 13 year olds can listen to it. And that's basically what it is. So when I was 12 and 13, I like pop punk. And you know what? Good pop punk is great. I don't sit around listening to it. There's not, it hasn't been a lot of pop punk in my life for the last like 25 years almost. But I appreciate what it is. And, and when it's good, it, it is on that level, the same level as like 50s and early 60s, like teener pop and doo-wop for that matter. It's got insane vocals. Like if you were to, if you were to hear doo-wop vocals isolated, nah, nah, nah. Nah, 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 nah. You know, it's not even, it's, that even sounds better than how a lot of them sound. But there's something about the total package where it's like, you know what, this is just really good teen music. Like I think about, I think I mentioned Blink-182 Damn It a minute ago, like waiting on the radio for that to come on. That might as well be a good late 50s song. Like that song is every bit as good as uh, like J. Frank Wilson and the Cavaliers or something. That's every bit as good as that. I'd rather listen to J. Frank Wilson, but it, it's really just as good as that. 
and it, it delivers kind of a similar feeling as that music. There is a magic to it. But pop punk gets a bad rap, first of all, because like so many people graduate to what they think is real punk. But to do that, you have to shed your skin. And, you know, most people, at least when I was growing up, got into punk through pop punk. But then to get into what you consider real punk, you have to shed your skin and transform. And you can't like pop punk and you have to trash pop punk. You have to hate pop punk. Hate pop punk. Pop punk. Hate pop punk. Uh, <laughs> no, it's like it's part of that process when you're a kid is oh, people who like pop punk are posers. They're not into real punk. Meanwhile, that's what you were into. So much of trying to prove yourself is trying to prove that who you were two months ago, six months ago isn't what you were and that you hate people like that. But what pop punk is, is just it's basic, catchy, good music. Again, I don't want to listen to it at this point. Once in a while, I'll put on like Screeching Weasel, uh, Boogada, 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 whatever. I think that's what it's called. And my copy of that too, I only have that on CDR my friend Ryan, who died 21 years ago, 21, 22, probably close to 22 years ago, 21 and a half years ago, he, uh, a few years, two, like maybe two years before he died, he died when I was 16, he burned me a couple CDs, and one of them was a copy of Screeching Weasel, Boogada, Boogada, Boogada. And the other one was just a mix of punk. And it was everything from like the Misfits, Last Caress, to TSOL, to just all kinds of things. And I still have those, and I like them because it's like they still have his handwriting. You know, he's been dead a long time, and they still have his handwriting on them. And it's funny to me that out of like all of the lasting, you know, the only lasting things from this kid that I was good friends with for two years when we were kids, when we were 12, the only lasting things I have from him, aside from maybe some old photos and things, one of them is a screeching weasel CDR with his handwriting on it. That's a really good album, though. I recommend it. I recommend Screeching Weasel, believe it or not. Boogada, boogada, boogada. I think it's from the 80s. I want to say that's like a late 80s album, if, I, if I'm correct. But like once every five years at this point, I'll throw that on. And I always love it. Every time I put it on, I love it. I don't overplay it, though. I don't go like, oh, I'm just going to listen to Screeching Weasel nonstop for 48 hours. I'm just like, yeah, that was. I'm glad I listened to that again. And there's nothing else like that. I don't listen to any other music like that. There's no other pop punk that I'm into or anything. I like Blink-182, but I don't listen to it. Can't think of anything else like that. And I never even had an extensive pop punk collection or anything. Like, I couldn't afford to have, like, a ton of CDs. Like, I would just get usually, unless I really loved a band, I usually just had one CD by them, if that. And, uh... 
you know, with pop punk, like I think back to like when I would say I listened to that kind of music, did I have five CDs total? I probably had like five. I, I didn't have five pop punk CDs. Like, I guess I probably had, I had, I had like three Blink-182 albums, three or four Blink-182 albums, a Screeching Weasel CD. What else did I have? I had a less, I had a less than Jake. I think I had two less than Jake CDs and that's Ska. I never actually liked Ska. Like there was a point in my life where I thought I might've liked Ska but I really didn't. I didn't like the horns. I didn't like what makes it ska. Like there were a few bands, maybe two or three at the most actually, where they were ska bands, but like when they did a straightforward song without all the ska bullshit, I would like that. And then I would just listen to the, I would listen to that song over and over again. Like there was some less than Jake's song that was just more in just a straightforward, like pop punk style. And I remember listening to that one a lot. And that justified owning their CD or something. But the reality was I never liked any of that ska stuff. I never had any tolerance for it. And I don't know. I'm trying to think of any. I guess I had an, the Operation Ivy CD. That's ska. But again, I didn't like the ska parts of that band. That was the first quote unquote punk band that I was introduced to. My... When my sister was like a senior in high school, one of her friends who was kind of a punk skater type guy, I was in fifth grade. He came over and he was like, check this out. And he played me Operation Ivy. And I was like, I need to, can I borrow this? And so I borrowed his CD and just listened to it all the time. I'd heard nothing like it. Really, that I mean, it shouldn't be that surprising to anybody from my age group, but that was my introduction to anything even remotely resembling underground music. Like, yeah, you could buy that anywhere, but it was the, it was the first time, like it looked more underground, like the artwork, the sound and stuff. Like I felt like I was accessing something else. And then that same guy, like a while, I remember he came over again to get his operation Ivy CD and I'd had it for months. And I'm this little kid and he's, he's like a, an 18 year old and I'm probably, how old was I? I was probably 11. And I remember I was like, I love that CD. And he was like, you like, you like that? Well, this just came out today and I went down and got it. And he pulled out the sublime self-titled. I don't know what year that came out, but it had just come out that day. And he bought it. And he was like, oh, if you like that Operation Ivy CD, you should check this out. And he played it for me. And I didn't like it. I was like, oh, man, he's going to play me something crazy. But I didn't like it at all at the time. I was like, that's not, that's not what I was looking for. And then I did get into Sublime. I guess that's, that's another ska band that I, I listened to for a, a brief time. Another band though, because like the, when I look back at a band like Sublime and being like a twelve or thirteen year old listening to that, I like that song "Date Rape," just the sound of it. I don't know how much I would like the actual song at this point, but I remember liking the sound of it. Like the guitar sounds good. Like the guitar tone is really good. The production is just a little more raw than the self-titled album. I guess it is. Here I am, just, just I'm like speaking. 
<laughs> I'm talking about sublime, but uh, speaking sublime, you're speaking sublime. But I remember liking that song, Date Rape, just being like, oh, this is like a driving song. This isn't just, it's probably filled with ska bullshit if I re-listen to it. But I remember listening at the time and like feeling like I wasn't just hearing ska bullshit. Ska bullshit. But it's funny to like think back about those formative years where it's like, oh, this guy, he let me borrow his Operation Ivy CD. He was a cool older friend of my sister's. And he introduced me to Op, Op Ivy, as they called them. What's funny is the other day I was at the store and there was kind of a fat teenage boy walking around in an Operation Ivy shirt. I was at Safeway. And I was like, I guess kids are still doing that because that was me. You know, when I was that age, I was a fat kid in an Operation Ivy shirt. I had an Operation Ivy shirt. That might even have been the first band. No, the first band shirt I had was Presidents of the United States. Second band shirt I had was probably Operation Ivy. And so I see this fat kid walking around the grocery store with an Operation Ivy shirt. And I'm, I'm like, I guess kids are still doing that. I guess that still speaks to kids. I bet that kid's playing the same song on the Operation Ivy album over and over and over. I bet, he's, I bet he just plays Knowledge, the opening song from that collection album. I bet he's like me and he just plays that over and over and over. He just plays the hits. This land is mine. God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can 